0: Let's just lift our hands for a moment. Honour the presence of God here. Thank you Lord. Thank you Father. Father, thank you that you are the omnipresent God. Father, the issue is not whether you are present. The issue is whether we're aware of you being present. Because you're absolutely consistent. And we just want to say, Lord, we delight in your presence. Your presence is not an atmosphere. It's not a good feeling. It's the tangible evidence that you are present. <laughs> thank you. Hallelujah. Phil, thank you for your honesty of heart. Uh, it was beautifully transparent, actually. And Isn't it encouraging when people speak and they're bold enough to speak about their weaknesses because most of us think that you know, guys who stand up behind a microphone have got their act together, well that is a bit of a deception <laughs> actually <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> you know, the greater the battle the greater will be the de- the breakthrough yeah? And yeah. <laughs> it's true, because breakthrough is when the battle is done. At that point, nothing wrong with the battle; it's how we respond in the battle that makes the difference. Yeah. I, I actually believe that this, um, the theme of this conference, is brave, um, but I also think uh, it is very timely. And grateful to Christina uh, for asking us to be a part of this. And, um, you know, it was interesting. We first met Christina by the door over there. I think it was last year. I can't remember. Time moves. And we were greeted by this American lady um, with... (laughs) You know, I thought, oh, my goodness. I'd never had such an anointed greeting at the door of a church in my life. But anyway... (laughs) But I was absolutely fascinated, I thought, who is this person? Because she had this massive, great, artificial flower in her hair. Now I, that, that, you know, I did have to comment to Merit about that. I thought, oh, this is interesting. Um, <laughs> I know, no, 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 no. But, you know, we had the, we've had the privilege of beginning to get to know Paul and uh, Christina and to love them and just realise the integrity that is in them. It is absolutely beautiful. And I think I will allude a little bit more to that later. Um, why is this, the theme of this conference really relevant? Well, I want to say to you that I side completely with what Phil was saying, that as the church of a nation we are moving towards a time of corporate breakthrough. And many of us actually bemoan, I think, the state of our nation, and if you are an intercessory, you're burdened by the state of the nation. I hope we all are, actually. Um, But, you know, there is a truth that the state of a nation is actually reflective of the state of the church. Why? Because God's instrument of change in a nation is the church. However you define that, the body of Christ. Yeah? Because it is through the church that the manifold wisdom of God is declared. God can't do it himself. Well, he could do, but he's chosen not to. Because the heaven of heavens belongs to God, but the earth he has given to the sons of men. Yeah? And so I believe that the church coming to breakthrough will be the beginning of breakthrough seriously in the nation. Romans 8 <coughs> talks about Paul says, I consider that the sufferings of this present time not worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed in us. And when Phil said earlier, um, you know, we've had a really tough time for the last couple of years. Well, as we travel around the place, different parts, I often ask the question, how many people have had a really tough time in the last couple of years? And nearly everybody's hand goes up. Um, (coughs) You know, and... You know what? It is exactly what I was saying earlier. I believe we are contending for breakthrough and when does the night seem at its darkest it is just before the break of dawn that's true okay? and Paul says going on from that verse you know, the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory it says the glory that will be revealed in us so we are carriers potentially or actually of the glory of God What is the glory of God? The glory of God is the manifestation of God being present. Yeah? There's a lot more to it than that, but that is basically what it is. And Paul goes on in that Romans 8 passage and, and says, the whole of creation is waiting. What for? For the revelation, the revealing of the sons of God walking in glorious freedom in the freedom of the glory of God and freedom is a key issue because, do you know what? I I don't want to say this in a negative way but oftentimes as I trek through churches and things I think God's people carry more problems than people out there do you know what I mean? <laughs> there's nothing wrong with having problems but there is something about breakthrough where we come into freedom. And do you know what? Freedom is not... The biggest breakthrough you will have is not when everything around you is a hunky-dory and nice and wonderful and easy. is isn't. Real breakthrough is when you come to a place of peace and rest and trust in the midst of unresolved situations. That's the reality of it. Why? Because, you know, all of this, all of this is about the kingdom being expressed through us. And I believe that the world is not waiting to see people who are, you know, super spiritual and all the rest. They want reality. And when we are walking in the same stuff that they're walking in, but we know a dimension of peace and of joy in the midst of it, their heads will turn. Because they will say, look, they are in this thing, but they are not of this thing, yeah? And that's why our connectivity with our generation is really important. Yeah? Say a lot more about that. Last night in the meeting it's been said before but we Neres and I both picked up on it we were talking about it on the way back in the car we said there is such a contesting going on and I thought is it just us we, you know, are we missing something or whatever but when we came in this morning we just carefully asked how did you feel you don't want to be always pointing out a problem do you <laughs> um, and it, you know significantly people were feeling the same thing and it goes back to what I said just now I'm excited whenever you come in at the beginning of an event like this and you hit something, I get excited because I'm thinking there's only one way this can go, and that's break- breakthrough. Because there is no victory without the battle, is there? And I believe that today we have crossed over from a point of contending for something into the point where we can now lay hold of it. Is that? Okay. Um, <clears> okay. <throat> I think it, it was said earlier I'm trying to get into the thread of what God is saying that I think Paul used the phrase getting stuck and you know there have been points in all of our lives where we've got stuck yeah and I think there are people here today who feel that they've got stuck but the great thing is being here the reason you've come is because You're not happy to remain being stuck. Is that true? So, there is freedom. I believe specifically today God is after the breaking of what the scripture calls strongholds in people's minds. And and a lot of this is what As Phil was saying, it's it's an attitude of mind. It is the positioning of our thoughts more than the reality of what's going on spiritually. And, you know, a stronghold is basically a mindset which is impregnated with hopelessness and cannot believe even what God is saying to be true. Yeah? Yeah? And I think that's what God is after today. And one of the biggest challenges, I think, in this whole warfare thing is the challenge for truth. Because the Lord wants us to know truth in our inward parts. It's not what you understand with your mind. It's what you believe in your heart that determines your freedom. It's true, isn't it? Because the place of information is the mind. The place of revelation is your heart. You know, Scripture said a man believes in his heart. You understand things in your mind. But there's a great difference between understanding and the revelation of truth to your heart. It's what Phil was saying. You know, he was honest enough to say as an engineer, he's got a... Uh, in a strong rational way of thinking but what happened to him in Malaysia was it Um, was basically God broke through from the area of your mind because you knew lots of things were true but he broke through by revelation into your heart and then your heart agreed with your mind and you came into freedom do you see what I mean? I think there's some stuff like that I think there's things that I'm fascinated to hear what you guys are going to talk about when you're talking about you know orphan to sonship or whatever identity It's so key you know it's so absolutely key now I want to uh, a confession to make actually um, I brought my notes for this evening this morning so um, this is I don't really care <laughs> Maryland says, Well, you're far better when you haven't got notes. <laughs> so I'm gonna go through it. You know, one of the things that Paul put in an appeal to to the Corinthian Church was a return to the purity and simplicity of devotion to Jesus. He said, I'm afraid lest as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds have been led astray from the purity and simplicity of devotion to Jesus. And you know what? I think back over all the years that I was was saved 64 years ago (laughs) 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 and you know on that journey, so many things, and and it will be the same for you so many things have been added. I mean It was just me and Jesus at the beginning as a (laughs) six-year-old. You know, coming into an experience of salvation. I knew Jesus was my saviour. All I knew was Jesus loves me. You know, this I know, because the Bible tells (laughs) me so. And actually, I've taken most of my Christian life to discover what that really means. But, you know, over the years, so many things have been added. And we we live in a, a time when there is no shortage Of teaching and revelation, and there are things that you understand today that 10 years ago you didn't. And you know, there's more and there's more and there's more. And the more conferences you go, the more tapes you listen to, or not tapes, the more podcasts you listen to. (laughs) I used to listen to tapes in this. Um, You know, the more information you gather, the further you can move away from the simplicity of what it really is all about. Yeah? Is it true? And I think, you know, sometimes it's back to basics. Here's a little key for you God is a God of unfolding revelation so you will always be going from one degree of glory or one degree of revelation to another and it's incremental and it goes on and it will go on as long as you've ears to hear until you're with him the problem with that is that it's usually the latest thing that God has shown you or revealed to you that is the thing you play with it's like when you're a kid you know the new toy that you were given for your birthday is the one you play with for the next two weeks and all the rest get neglected But, you know, as far as God is concerned, revelation comes incrementally, you know, it comes in stages, but it's to add to what you know, not to take away. And I I believe it's very important we understand that. Yeah? So it's painfully easy to be dwelling in the now of what's being, you know, what's the buzz on the street, as it were, rather than, and we lose sight of, the simplicity of where we came from. That okay, and you know when Jesus was talking to his disciples before uh, he went to the cross and before he went back to the Father, he prepared his disciples for the fact that he was going, and he talked to them over you know the basics and the important things. And actually, you know, Jesus left us with two commandments. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. And you shall love your neighbour as yourself. That's pretty simple. Until you come to do it. (laughs) And I want to suggest to you that the, the whole of the Christian life is about relationship. It's relationship with God, relationship with one another and relationship with yourself and the person who is walking in freedom will be the person who's come to peace in all three of those relationships Does that make sense? It's very simple actually and I don't know about you but I don't have too many problems in my relationship with God actually I'm just discovering more of how amazing he is the depths of his love his grace his kindness his forgiveness yeah and that is an amazing pursuit and I I, I tell you what there is always more Paul talks about knowing the love of God which is beyond knowledge don't you like that the only way you can access more of your relationship with God is through him revealing more of himself to you. Yeah? And that's the delightful pursuit. Isn't it? Okay. It's way outside of the context of this conference, I think. But you know, the ability, as um, Phil was sharing, to hear God for yourself is absolute key and let me just say this because I can't resist (laughs) God is the master of verbal and non-verbal communication see most of us say I can't hear God because we're expecting to hear a human voice speaking to us you may be one of the people that God speaks to like that but you may not be (laughs) there's a window of revelation in you that's unique to you and you will hear the father the way that he designed you to hear him yeah we have three children and seven grandchildren now and it's amazing with each one of them have a different relationship and the way I will talk to one is totally different to the other because I know it doesn't connect you know it's got to be, and God knows exactly how to connect with you. The skill in this is discovering the language of communication that God has for you. So it's a wonderful pursuit. And once you hit a few triggers, you're on the gravy train, as it were. And just enjoyment of God's presence is beautiful, isn't it? Yeah? Isn't he lovely? He really is. key of the Christian life, the key to life, is about relationships. It's about fulfilling those commands to love. And love has everything to do with relationship, doesn't it? I want to venture into a subject this morning. And I would almost say that this needs to be preached about once a month in every church everywhere because it's one of those things that I think the enemy wants us to forget and move over but it's absolutely vital and I want to really talk this morning briefly about a lifestyle of forgiveness You know, I think I could say the opposite of forgiveness is offence. And offence is a super stronghold. The book of Proverbs tells us that a brother offended is harder to win than a walled city. That's a stronghold. And how we deal with offence is a major key in how we deal, how we live in freedom in our lives. And I am going to pray in a minute because human beings, but I think charismatic Christians in particular have an incredible ability to live in self-deception no, seriously because we can so protest truth proclaim truth that we think we're living in it but we're actually just knowing it and that actually, that winds me up you know, you hear these people if I say it often enough, I'll have it Maybe there's a little more that has to happen. You know? Are you with me? Yeah, the scriptures say if we say that we have no sin we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And, you know, the breaking of strongholds usually starts with a truth encounter. Because I think these guys are going to share Um, strongholds are usually based in a deception. Believing something to be true when it isn't or believing something not to be true when it is. That's called deception. And it's the truth that actually breaks the lie of deception. And I've discovered in my life how often I've just walked on covered over stuff and later on I've realised that I boxed myself in to an attitude, a judgement. Ever done it? Do you have people who tick your box, negatively, I mean, of course you don't. I I have this simple theology, which is probably may not be true but I think God, in all of our lives God will organize for us grace workers I've always had them you know and when I think I've dealt with one or God has already gone or something another one will flip up just the same you know oh I tell you, if you've got a prophetic ministry you will have grace workers they'll surround you make sure they do no, you make sure they will make sure they do (coughs) and you know part of human life and experience is that any day we are capable and probably will be offended by something or somebody is that I mean, are you one of these people who just walks through life and nothing ever touches you, you know? Human relationships are a minefield, aren't they, really? Oh. Isn't that true? You know, I used to say, God, why can't I go and live on a Caribbean beach on my own, in the sun, popping grapes, I could be a wonderful Christian there. <laughs> Couldn't I have all these wonderful godly thoughts communing with you all the time? And having been a pastor for 30 odd years <laughs> I've discovered actually that it, that would be easy. But it's not just about being a pastor it's wherever you are in your workplace your college, your school, neighbourhood, family arrows of offence come towards you every day of your life and sometimes we absorb them and we pretend that they don't matter you know well they do because not dealing with an offence in the end will become a stronghold and on interpersonal level there will be people who've offended you that if they're not dealt with you will always have a judgement or an attitude towards that person in fact if you see them coming down the street you want to dive into a nearest shop just to get out of their way or am I the only ungodly person in this room I want to just briefly talk about this whole thing of forgiveness you know Jesus taught <coughs> about forgiveness in Matthew 18:21. and Peter came to him and said Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? up to seven times and Jesus said to him I do not say to you up to seven times but up to seventy times seven I think that's just a colloquial way, way of saying it, as often as you need to <laughs> It makes sense walk free of offence I believe is freedom and I wonder actually this is a question whether it's possible on a given day to be able to say that I'm not holding offence towards any human being neither am I offended by God because sometimes people take offence at God that's true isn't it Forgiveness is one of the most powerful things. Powerful abilities that we've been given. You know, in all the theatres of war and pain and dissension in the nations, everybody's talking about negotiated settlements and goodness knows what. and, And they will achieve a peace, a sort of peace, an uneasy peace for a time but when do you hear people stand up and say I think actually we need to forgive until 70 times 7 in Ephesians Paul talks about <coughs> us forgiving one another even as God in Christ has forgiven you <laughs> And I just want to talk about the nature of God's forgiveness because not all of us are clear on it, I don't think. And I love the way in this conference so far we've gone back to the cross, we've gone back to the blood of Jesus because that is our foundation. No other foundation can any man lay but that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. And Paul's proclamation, he said, I preach Christ and I preach him crucified and I will say this to you in a time of revival the preaching of the cross will come back central to the proclamation of the church it really will I want to talk about a little bit about the nature of God's forgiveness I love the, the epistle to the Hebrews actually where the writer goes through a whole catalogue about the new covenant it's absolutely beautiful covenant thank you for sharing that last night Whew. powerful Hebrews 9.11 but Christ came as high priest of the good things to come With the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, not with the blood of bulls and goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. The cross of Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus poured out for you and me, is Central foundation to our living, not just to our history. It says, With his own blood he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. And the forgiveness that God made of you, me, us was once and for all. It was complete. There is no other sacrifice that needs to be made but there on the cross when Jesus, the lifeblood just pouring out of Him, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. In that moment, once for all, He proclaimed forgiveness. He won forgiveness. He won redemption. Redemption is a lovely word, actually. It's a word from the marketplace. And it literally is about uh, a slave being purchased out of slavery. And I want to say to you today that the cross of Jesus Christ, the death of Jesus, has broken every stronghold every chain you have been redeemed out of slavery and you've been brought into the glorious freedom of the sons of god and when jesus proclaimed forgiveness for the cross from the cross it was one act for all for all time for all people for all of eternity you have been forgiven every human being that's walking out there whether they acknowledge God or not is already forgiven because that was a complete work that was done once for all the difference is have they come to a place of accepting the forgiveness and confessing their sin before God because you know every benefit of the cross doesn't come automatically it has to be appropriated by a means of grace and faith and a response to God it's true isn't it so everything has already been done and that's often said but you haven't appropriated it unless you've taken it you've agreed with God you've done what's necessary on your part to receive to receive what he's done so as you sit in your chair this morning you are completely utterly forgiven for everything that you ever did for everything you may be doing now and for everything you will ever do it's all covered it's done it's finished all that needs to happen is we need to align ourselves with what has happened. And the word is very simple. If we will own up to, if we will confess our sin, God is faithful and just and will forgive our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's not about pleading with God to forgive me. And I, do you know, years and years ago, <laughs> my mum, who was a, a dear Christian lady, an intercessor, she'd been walking with God since she was a child but came from a tradition that didn't actually understand grace very fully but anybody who was totally committed to God born again was her and you know as she was passing out of this life I was at her bedside and all she could keep saying was God forgive me God cleanse me as if as she knew she was passing into eternity and I thought Mom, and I had the privilege of prophesying to her on her deathbed. The Lord is saying, You are. Okay. I'm waiting for you. Just step into my heart. A few hours later, she died in peace. But there's somebody who was born again who served God all of her life very conscientiously but never had complete assurance that she was forgiven although she knew she was saved I don't understand that but that's the truth and I just want to say today for anybody who's here look at it this way supposing you knew that tonight you were going to meet the Lord in that way because we I don't know God sets the boundaries of our life we never know when we're going to meet with him what would your feelings really be? would you be scared? or would you be expectant? I used to think God judged me continually as a kid (coughs) I want to tell you this when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ and we all will, believers or not what's he going to say to you? I like to put it this way when your record comes up on the screen of heaven Christina you know what it's going to say it'll all be there but written across it in red will be the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses from all sin enter into the joy of your Lord eh? that's your assurance you are forgiven freedom is knowing it's true freedom is knowing that there's an open agenda with you with God that you've agreed with him that he knows everything about you He's forgiven you and he loves you unconditionally. Wow. Well, that's the nature of God's forgiveness. It's done. When do I finish? Half past, is it? Okay. Oops, I'm on. The other hand is forgiving one another even as God in Christ has forgiven you. And because we are recipients of such incredible grace and absolute forgiveness, we can release forgiveness to others. One of the things that impressed Maris and I when we met Paul and Christina for a coffee or something, not long after the meeting here, when they told the story of their son, which um, Christina praised last night, we both went we, we wept, actually. We just wept as we heard their story. And I, I thought, "How do you forgive for that act?" You know, the babysitter who'd um, caused the damage. How do you forgive? Because it's not like once you're living with the consequences of somebody's sin and you have to reconcile to that. That's true, isn't it? And there's a continual forgiveness. I thought that was such an amazing testimony of God's grace. And you know, to wind this up, I believe there are folk here today who God wants to come into a place of absolute forgiveness you see it's not just about somebody in your present setting of relationship it can go back years and years and years and one of the things I sense God wants to do during this time is to release us from offense caused in our lives through our journey that we've just walked away and we've said, oh well, done and dusted. I want to tell you, it's not done and dusted. If there's a fence that has never been faced with God and forgiveness that's never been made, you know, it's one of the most powerful things we can do. Yeah? And uh, uh, there's a lot more one could say but unforgiveness puts us in a place of torment. because memories don't die, they're locked up in a stronghold of offense and unforgiveness. But forgiveness is such a release, such a blessing, you know, reconciliation, wherever that's possible. But as far as is within us, we're to be at peace with all men. So ours is to forgive, we can't guarantee what the offended party will do but we can be responsible for our response and reactions. It's so important that we do that. I'll finish with a story. A guy in our church, <coughs> it's not our church, What is? I suppose, back in Haven, um, he had a stroke in his 20s and he actually was largely paralysed for his life, um, God has incrementally been healing him it's most interesting actually and it's been a real burden for the church to contend for his healing but I I remember some years ago now driving into the car park on Sunday and there was Steve sitting in his car waving his arms around and he said to me "Um, look and I thought it just didn't dawn on me and he said can't you see what I'm doing oh yeah you can't move your arms can you and he literally was waving both arms he said let me tell you how it happened he said the other night the Lord spoke to me and said Steve your arms will be healed on the day you forgive the NHS for a mistake that they made some years ago and he said, I struggled because I felt so angry about what had happened, you know. And I think we need to honor the NHS actually and not berate it, it's a wonderful thing. Um, but anyway, he, um, he woke up in the morning and had overnight had found grace to forgive the NHS. And he actually spoke it out. He said, you know, whatever, I forgive the name of the doctor or consultant or just the whole jolly lot. You know, I forgive you in Jesus' name. Instantly, his arms were completely freed. The power of forgiveness to bring freedom. And I just leave that with you. There's a lot more. One, oh, yeah, one other thing I will say is um, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, Love keeps no record of wrong and some of us have a little black book yeah that's actually a book of offence and you know I believe we need to take our little black book literally or metaphorically and lay it at the foot of the cross and say Jesus because you've forgiven me I choose to forgive those who've sinned against me. Okay. The power of forgiveness reconciles us to God time and again, time and again. So, can I just pray for you? Just lift your hands. <clears throat> Father, we were called for freedom. Lord, that is our calling. That's what you paid for. You redeemed us. You paid the price so that we could be released from slavery in all of its forms. Father, in this matter of forgiveness and offence, we just say to you today, Lord, continue to speak to us. Holy Spirit, come and open up lockers that we've shut down and yet we've suffered in for years you will know the truth and the truth will set you free Father I want to thank you that when your truth comes and points something out it is never to condemn it is only to release your grace and your blessing in our lives. So help us, Lord, never to be afraid of facing what we need to face with you. Because there's always grace and always forgiveness as we come to you. So I want to bless every person in this room with the ability to live in a lifestyle of forgiveness. Simply because they know that they are forgiven. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Amen. I want to speak tonight about a whole other area of forgiveness, but I want, I want to follow from you because I think it's going to just fit really well. So, bless you. Thank you.